Stu Does America. First, I want to start with our friend Leah Thomas, because as you know, Leah Thomas, fantastic female swimmer, the best female swimmer, maybe the best female. I don't know. I mean, that's what people are saying. She did win female woman girl of the year here on the Studios America program. And we celebrate her incredible uh, victory. Um, I love this headline. This is from about, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Uh, We're uncomfortable in our old locker room. Leah Thomas's UPenn teammate uh, tells how the trans swimmer doesn't always get to, doesn't always cover up her male genitals when changing and their concerns go ignored by their coach. Her male genitals. That is the world we live in right now, where nothing makes any sense at all. And this, of course, hits your kids harder than anybody. I will say I've been very frustrated, and I've mentioned this a few separate times here on the program. It's important for me to point out Of course, when Democrats say something dumb, when Nancy Pelosi seems like she thought it was water and it was actually vodka. That's important for us to point out here on Studios America. But it's also important when we are missing massive opportunities as conservatives to further the values we supposedly hold. And that's where we we are today in a real in a really frustrating fashion, because there's two main arguments conservatives are making about schools right now. One, schools are insane. Look at Leah Thomas. Look at CRT. Look at all the crazy gender stuff going on. What are they teaching our kids? These schools suck. And then simultaneously, the main part of our argument seems to be, please open up the schools. Please allow our kids back in school. It's really important that kids get back in school. Wasn't it crazy that the kids weren't allowed in school? Well, first of all, of course, yes, it was crazy that the kids weren't allowed in school. We know COVID-19 did not affect children uh, the way that it affected elderly people or people with cancer or heart disease or whatever. We knew that from the beginning and it's something we talked about at the beginning. There was never a reason to close these schools. And the fact that that it continued for as long as it did is a tragedy that has, you know, hit our country in a way that we're not gonna really understand for a decade or more. We have an entire generation of kids who grew up in a two-tiered society where one tier in a place like Texas or in a nice private school in New York City were able to go back to school without masks and, and, and learn the way that everybody else was learning. And then you had the other world where people were restricted. They were at home. They were on laptops. They were wearing masks on laptops half the time. We know the real problems that came from that. We played a video yesterday, and, and we'll, we'll make sure we post this on, on Twitter so people can see it, at Stu Does America, of Joe Biden, who was with a couple of like second and third graders talking about how they went to virtual school. They couldn't learn the same way. They couldn't hear. Sometimes the camera wouldn't work. They couldn't make friends. They couldn't understand anything. Sometimes the kids were asleep. Now, when I went to regular school, I slept often. But that is how you get to this point, and that's the point you want to avoid, right? You don't want to be like me. That's bad, boys and girls. You want to go a different direction, the smart direction, the accomplished direction. That's where you want to go. So, and at the end of it, just to, just to top off the video, 
the kids all thank Joe Biden for being the one who really wanted schools open. So you can tell how big of an issue this is. This is how terrified the left is of education right now. We saw what happened with Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. But then I like Glenn Youngkin and I liked his approach there and it worked well. But is it enough? Is it enough to say open up the schools? Is it enough to say, hey, let's pass a rule that says you can't uh, teach CRT in schools? Is it enough to say, let's pass a bill like the one in Florida that says we shouldn't have these discussions with uh, kindergartners and first graders and second graders? Is that enough? Or should we be thinking totally differently here? This is a case I've made a few times on the show, but I think it's incredibly important. And it is perhaps the biggest opportunity that conservatives have had in a really long time to make an actual difference in this country. It's a massive opportunity. And as of right now, nobody is grabbing it on the right. It has to be the center of attention. Let me give you some headlines to back this up. We're going to open up schools. We've got to open up schools. Which school? What, what's happening with these schools that you want opened up so badly? Transgender brainwashing uh, is going on. How public schools brainwash young kids with harmful transgender ideology. New report shatters media lie that CRT isn't taught in Virginia schools. Apparently it had been back in the day. Katanji Brown Jackson serves on the board of a school that promotes critical race theory. In fact, there was an interesting moment in the hearings today when uh, Ted Cruz, the senator, of course, from Texas, stood up and started showing uh, pages from a book. A book that, if you happen to be a fan of the Stu Does America experience, you are very familiar with. It's called Anti-Racist Baby, and it's a book that we went through in its entirety uh, back in the day. It's written by uh, Ibram Kendi, and it's a book to teach babies, literal babies, that they are, in fact, really racists. He also had a book named it Eight and Nine-Year-Olds that was saying much of the same thing by Ibram Kendi. This is all stuff that was being taught source material at the school Katanji Brown Jackson served on the board of. She, of course, denied, I've never seen these books before in my life. Well, you know what? Number one, I think she's lying. But number two, if she's lying, that means she doesn't watch the show. And do you really want a Supreme Court justice that does not watch the show or at least listen to the podcast? I mean, come on. Public school advocate says schools should be more woke. Ah, if critical race theory can creep into classrooms of Missouri, it's likely in yours. And it likely is. Parents outrage after school shows their first graders sex education videos about masturbation. First graders. Again, a lot of people uh, hated on Ron DeSantis for the don't say gay bill, which is a terrible name and is not at all true, obviously. But there was a another side to that argument where people said, you know, look, we agree, obviously, kindergartners, first and second graders should not be being taught this. But you're you're just trying to win political points by bringing up this controversial issue and passing something where no one's learning about that in first grade. Yeah, it's actually happening. It's actually happening. Maybe not in your school yet, but it is happening all over the country. And knocking out the low hanging fruit should be an easy job. Everybody that should have been a, a bill that was supported by every Democrat in Florida. Instead, it's some bizarre cause celeb for people all around the country to try to vilify Ron DeSantis. It's absolutely incredible. California implements extreme new sex ed curriculum. New National Sex Ed Common Core for kids is more like hardcore, too deranged to describe in a headline. 
That's pretty deranged. New sex ed common core would force explicit images, gender mayhem, and abortion on kids. And I like this one because they just have a cartoon of peeled bananas. <laughs> Which, I mean, I... Speaking of low-hanging fruit. Um, Vermont High School's halftime show is a drag pageant. Well, of course it is. What else would they do with their halftime show other than that? DOE treats NYC's youngest students to virtual drag queen story hour. California Public School bypasses parents with transition closet for teens who want to cross-dress in class. Can you imagine your kid is battling something? and they uh, decide they want to be the other gender. And you say to them, look, when you're 18 years old, you're out of the house, you're gonna be able to do what you want. But while you're here and you're going to school, you're gonna dress like your actual gender and you can try to figure out the things you're dealing with later on in life. We love you, we support you, but you're gonna have, that's not the way this is gonna happen. And you talk your kid into it and they go along with the, with the whole plan and they walk into school and then their teacher undermines you with a closet of women's clothes to dress your little boy in. Can you imagine how angry you would be as a parent? And this is the sort of stuff, by the way, that got Glenn, uh, Glenn Youngkin elected and is a big part of the reason why Republicans are so heavily favored in the election coming up in you know a few months. The reason is that attitude of the teachers know best and parents should not be involved in their kids' education is not some side view of progressives. It's central, it's foundational. What Terry McAuliffe blurted out on stage was just him admitting what every progressive believes. Every progressive believes this stuff. They don't want parents involved. When we talk about an average Democrat, uh, a Democrat who you know, maybe likes uh, a few more social programs and maybe wants the minimum wage to be a little bit higher, but then looks at, uh, at this stuff and is like, oh, that's crazy. That can't possibly be what my leadership believes. They do. That is who they are. Over and over again, it's proved, but it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe, I think, even for conservatives, let alone people who might have voted for some of these people. It's hard to wake them up, but the Democrats have moved so far to the left that they're slapping everybody across the face. Wake up, wake up, wake up. This is what we're doing. And I think even people on the, on the left and in the center are starting to wake up and understand it. How about this? California mom says state pushed teen daughter into transgender treatments, leading her to commit suicide. These are not just little side stories with silly little banana cartoon headlines. Sometimes this ends up in a loss of life. This ends up in people's lives being destroyed, their childhood being destroyed. And we are sitting here as conservatives saying we think that's bad. And that's the right argument. We think that is bad. That should not be what our schools are doing. And then we're saying, but open up those doors and get all of our kids back in there. Instead of making a stand on moving kids out of these schools. Yes, you can pass a law that will, around the fringes, improve a public school by a couple of percent. Yes, you can get the worst teacher in school, maybe removed, maybe suspended. Yes, you can do things around the fringes, and you know what, if you're in a blue state right now, you should be working to do those things, that's really important. But what is your excuse if you're in a red state? If you're a Republican in a red state, if you're a Republican running for office coming up in 2022, 
How can something like school vouchers, hopefully you can come up with a better name than school vouchers, because that name is so incredibly boring, people's eyes glaze over the second you say it. But how can we possibly not be putting this as central? Get kids out of these schools. Encourage parents to homeschool. Encourage parents to put their kids in private schools. Schools that actually work. Schools that are not insane. Schools that actually do something positive for the kids. And that means something positive for the future of this country. How can that not be central right now? I wanna give you a, a, a little vision of someone who is actually doing this. And you know what? He doesn't have an R next to his name. He has a D next to his name. His name is Justin Wayne. He's a Democrat from Nebraska. Look at him express this issue and put it and frame it in a way that every single parent can understand. The only people who are opposing school choice today are the same people who have choice. Uh And many of them exercise that choice. This has been a very growing pain for me as I was against this bill my freshman year and the last three, four years struggled where I was going to be on it. But my community can't wait anymore. So here's my offer to all of the people here who have kids. Here's my offer. I will vote to kill this bill if you send your kids to one of the kids' schools in my district that were waiting to turn around. If you do that, Senator Day, Senator Kavanaugh, John Kavanaugh, I know Michaela will. Everybody get on the mic and let's make that promise. Let's transfer the kids. So as we spend six, seven years in elementary school changing a school, your kid be a part of that change. And when they fall behind, when they don't have the resources, allegedly, when they're dealing with suspensions and things like that, then we can all go through it together. This is incredibly unfair to the parents of kids in these schools. And you might even have a highly rated school. Your school might look good on paper, but so much of this is still happening inside of it. And yet you're stuck, like so many people are, paying taxes in a community to schools that suck, that suck the life out of your kids. And you're not able to maybe pay for a private school. You might not be able to to figure out a way to make this happen, to homeschool or whatever your choice might be. And yet you're stuck paying taxes into the system that's failing them. Look, the truth is that conservatives have been handed a once in a lifetime opportunity to improve the lives of millions of children. And that opportunity has come at an incomprehensible cost. Not only the loss of life and freedoms that the whole world has suffered through over the past couple of years, but also millions of childhoods that have been destroyed. We've sat here and watched as kids in blue states have fallen behind in learning, socialization, speech, and so much more. And we have seen when these kids finally did get back into school, that they were being taught that men were women, that skin color was the most important thing about them, and that they should look at their fellow students as potential vectors of disease rather than friends. But all of this cost has proved the point as clear as day. Yeah, of course, opening public schools was the right thing to do when it comes to a decision based on COVID. Yeah, we we know. But what did that do? 
It put our kids back in the same place, learning the same crap they were learning before. Our argument cannot be, please take our kids back so that you can fill their heads with all the stuff we've been complaining about for the past five years. That makes no sense. So where are the Republican leaders making this the issue of our day? I understand that Joe Biden is going to block it. So what? Make him veto it over and over and over again. At the very least, there shouldn't be one red state in the country that does not have school vouchers. And if there are places where you know, we can get this you know, passed, then we got to get it passed. If there are places where we can't get this passed, we should be focusing on growing charities that give scholarships to students to go to private schools. I'm not talking about universities here. I'm talking about K through 12, because once they're in college, it may already be too late, as we've seen lately at the pool. You will never have a better opportunity to change the educational system than right this second. And we're talking about opening up the old crappy schools all the time. It's insanity. Get on offense. Get more kids into private schools or homeschooling and do it now while people remember what the last two years were like. Otherwise, we're all going to be stuck trying to explain why Leah Thomas won't properly cover her male genitals in the women's locker room. Mm. Ron DeSantis is signaling support for stripping Disney of special self-governing status as feud escalates. And this is its a weird part of the story. It's actually fascinating. And I, I, next time, remind me, uh, Adam, in the control room uh, on Wednesday to ask Glenn to tell the story. Because, you know, he's uh, the biggest Disney nerd in the world, uh, or at least was until recently. And the history of this and why, uh, the, you know, Disney is able to basically run its own government... <laughs> In the area, it's a fascinating thing. But uh, Ron DeSantis is doing what I think conservatives want Ron DeSantis to do, which is to not lay down. He's standing up and he's saying, wait a minute. No, we're going to do something about this. You're going to start acting like this. You're going to start attacking us. You're going to say the goal of your company is to repeal the legislation of the representatives of the state. Well, then we're going to look at whatever perks you've been given over the years and see how you like that. And that's what's going on right now. It's going to be a heck of a battle. And Disney, as we know, uh, is really hypocritical uh, on so many different things. Because we, you know, this is why I question how woke Disney really is. Are they woke? Is Disney a woke corporation? I would say yes. That would be my initial reaction. But I think there's two separate things here. You have one side of of wokeness, which is this adherence to the left line, sort of the crazy liberal line, all these agendas we've talked about over all of these years. And on the other side, you have corporations that, you know, want to be favored by they want their ESG score to be nice and high. They want the good media coverage. They want to please their employees. Which one is Disney? I don't know. Because you might say their behavior seems to be that really woke uh, side of things that everybody, you know, every single uh, cause that AOC loves, Disney seems to love. But on the other hand, look at what they're doing around the world right now. Disney is expanding operations in 10 countries that can, certainly by our standards, can only be described as anti-gay. Uh, let me give you a list here. Algeria, they're expanding there. Well, it's illegal 
uh, to have same-sex uh, activity in uh, Algeria, up to three years in prison. Egypt, it's illegal, up to 17 years in prison. Libya, it's illegal, up to five years in prison. Morocco, illegal, up to three to five years in prison. Oman, illegal, up to three years in prison. The, the heart throbs of the modern left in Palestine which is not actually a country, but they still have laws. It's legal in the West Bank, but illegal for males elsewhere and up to 10 years in prison. Qatar uh, or Qatar or Gutter, however, whatever the pronunciation is today, it's illegal up to seven years in prison. Uh, Tunisia, up to three years in prison. It is illegal. Uh, let's see. Uh, Antigua, which <laughs> is a surprise entry on this list to me. Uh, it's illegal, up to 15 years in prison. Dominica, illegal, up to 10 years in prison. These are places that Disney is choosing to expand its operations. It wants to do business in these companies, uh, countries. And let me give you the last two. Saudi Arabia and Yemen. Same-sex activity is illegal up to a punishment of death. These are people executing gays. And yet we're being preached to because we don't want our kindergartners to be discussing uh, the ins and outs of gay sex or straight sex, for that matter, in the middle of their class. Is this insane? Seems like it is. Uh, Raven Simone uh, is uh, coming out in, with a typical, just brilliant Hollywood rant about uh, how intelligence, just want, if you want to reveal your intelligence on a particular topic, start right here. She says, if there's, a don't, if there's a don't say gay bill, there should be a don't say straight bill. First of all, I, the mind-blowing stupidity of this is, is hard to overcome. But I will say, that is so very typical of the behavior I've come to expect from Raven. That's so, Raven. Um, the don't say gay bill doesn't exist, okay? You've been fooled into believing it exists. It does not exist, okay? So there wouldn't be a don't say straight bill because there isn't a don't say gay bill. What there is is a bill that says we shouldn't be talking about sex to second graders. And in that way, if you really want to bend the rules of English and the meaning of words, there is a don't say gay and don't say straight bill for kindergartners, first graders, and second graders. I think third graders, too. It goes up to third. So in those ages, you're not supposed to talk about all that stuff really at all. So you don't, there's no straight, there's no gay. I just maybe kids should be kids. Maybe they should be thinking about what, what their body parts are going to be doing later on in life. I don't know. Seems a little weird to me. But again, uh, maybe they're as obsessed as the Daily Beast is with kids' genitals and the way they use them. I don't know. It's a weird thing to admit, uh, but I guess it's okay uh, if you happen to be the Daily Beast, which is not exactly a high standard. All of this is bizarre and really, really sort of parallels a fundamentalist religion in a way. You see this all the time. Uh, there's the strict adherence to it. You can't have any minor misstatement. Any, and even if you're super woke, you can never be woke enough. You can never adhere enough to this fundamentalist religion. Then you have the anger at the apostates. Someone breaks the rules. Someone goes the other direction. You have to show your anger publicly, denounce them, smite them. There are threats to those who are sacrilegious. If you mock the, 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 uh, the religion, 
as we've seen so many people do on, on Twitter and other p- places on social media. If you make a joke, if you dead name someone, if you, de- if you uh, misgender them, you're thrown off. You get punished because of your sacrilegious behavior. You know, it's fascinating to see this happen. And when, when they're talking about this bill in particular in Florida, one of the things they keep bringing up is this concern that a teacher, maybe a teacher who is gay, can't talk about their weekends. They can't talk about their weekends. They can't talk about their home life in class. Oh, it's so, so sad. First of all, I don't know. I didn't know anything about my teacher's home life. Teach me addition. Teach me division. Teach me sentence structure. Teach me the basics. Reading, writing, arithmetic. I don't care, you know, if you played water polo over the weekend. That's not interesting to me. But okay, you know, I can understand people want to, you know, personalize uh, their behavior. There's an instinct. Uh, there, uh, there's an instinct. I think in, in all of us that want to connect with people and talk about our lives. And I understand that. But how about Christian teachers? You think Christian teachers can come in and talk about how they went to church this weekend? How they had a little uh, church bake sale? How they uh, they taught Sunday school? And here's the lesson I taught. You think any of that is able to come up? Those people get thrown out of school if they do that. So now we are at a place where public schools are uh, established and you can talk about sex and gender transitioning and all this stuff with second graders, but you can't even discuss Christianity with high school students. Unless, of course, you're bashing it as the cause of all of the world's evils. Long term, let's project a little into the future. How does all of this play out for a civilization when you can't talk about moral values if they're tied to faith, but you can you're forced to allow uh, sexual education to kindergartners? Why? How does this work out long term? I, is it good? Do you see? Because, I mean, if you're horrified at that prospect, think of how much it excites the far left. They love this. This is what they've always wanted. AOC is dancing around her kitchen to this news. At least until she gets scared when she notices the garbage disposal again. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is that thing in the sink? Why is it attached to a light switch? Look, the truth is Disney has chosen this path. They have decided their future will be determined by the woke religion and not by the original vision of Walt Disney. That's their prerogative. But it's also yours. Remember, you can decide whether you want to have anything to do with them. If they want to bow at the altar of wokeness, there's nothing stopping them. Just like there's nothing stopping you from staying the hell away from their giant talking mouse. And look, all of this is really important. And I I hope I hope this stuff hits you at some point. Uh, We've been talking about it a lot. And, you know, sometimes it just washes over you as part of the news. It's just another story, another day. But if there's one thing that I hope you hold on to from today's show and continue to reflect on this weekend, it's this. Always remember, musicals suck. If you happen to be a frequent viewer or listener to this program, you may remember me last week losing my mind uh, over the education approach by mainly people on the right. I know the people on the left uh, don't agree with me on this topic, uh, but people on the right say they, they do. They say that we should have our kids in either private schools or homeschooling or something outside of what's going on in private public schools because we, we always say we don't like what's going on in public schools. Yet 
when it came to the COVID situation, we sat here and we said over and over again, uh, open these schools up so we can get them back in so they can learn all that stuff we don't want them to learn. It didn't make much sense to me. And I feel like there should be a more offensive approach rather than a defensive approach coming from uh, conservatives and people who believe in choice for students. Uh, And I wanted to get somebody on who knows this issue and also is doing something about it. Uh, Corey DeAngelis is with us. Uh, He is the national director of the research for research for the American Federation for Children. It's a long title, but I got through it, as well as an adjunct scholar for the Cato Institute. Corey, how's it going? Hey, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, help me here uh, because I feel like there is there's not enough going on on offense to try to make people understand that, you know what, kids don't have to be put back into these same systems that they're unhappy in and are not excelling in. Yeah, totally. I would say first that people calling to open the schools, they had it right, but that's a very low bar when it comes to uh, securing parental rights in education. And now we're seeing the schools open, and then a lot of people are complaining about what's being taught in those schools. And uh, all of these problems that we saw bubbling up over the past couple of years were all just symptoms of the larger problem, which happens to be a massive, one-size-fits-all, government-run school system. And at the end of the day, when when you're trying to pass all these bills to ban this or ban that or to have this curriculum or that curriculum, the Republicans are just playing whack-a-mole and and you're never going to fix the root of the problem, especially when implementation gets really tricky and teachers can just change uh, how they're teaching certain things and the curriculum uh, can just change as well. Uh, you can instead of doing CRT, you can do social emotional learning mm. or you can change it to saying it's just called mental health. And the only way out of this mess is with freedom rather than force is to allow the money to follow the child so that families can take their kids' education dollars to an education provider that best aligns with their values. That could also provide competitive incentives for the public schools to do a better job and perhaps focus on less divisive concepts that they know that they're upsetting so many parents when those parents have exit options. So the only way to really fix this is school choice. Bottom-up accountability is the real, only the only true form of accountability that exists. All of these other uh, salute, quote-unquote solutions are just band-aids to the deeper issue. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought the, the, these these steps that we've been taking, uh, seeing a lot in the press, uh, bringing those issues up because some of them I agree with. I mean, you know, there are there are some of the uh, new laws and and and. Uh, changes in curriculum that I think are important for public schools. But it just seems like such a half measure and a a measure that's seemingly more designed to get the governor or whoever is doing this thing in in front of the media and raise money for a future campaign than anything else. A a real press from the, the conservative side of the aisle, the libertarian side of the aisle saying this is the time to separate this, to make it so it's not we're not depending on government to do all these things for our kids. We have an incredible opportunity right now. And I, I just feel like it's it's passing us by. And we do have a huge opportunity. I will say 2021, we had a lot of victories. We're calling it the year of school choice in 2021. Or if you're hip with the lingo, it's the year that we decided to fund students, not systems, because 19 states enacted or expanded programs to fund students directly as opposed to government-run institutions. 20, and in 2022, legislators in over 30 states introduced bills to fund students directly, and we're still working through those bills. We're seeing how they will shake out this year as well. And just yesterday, the South Carolina 
full Senate just passed a, a bill to fund students as opposed to systems through an education savings account program by a vote of 25 to 15. And I, Iowa's Senate uh, passed a bill that has been championed by the governor, Kim Reynolds, by a vote of 31 to 18, which would also be an education savings account, which is the purest form of funding students, not systems. It's the gold standard of school choice. And again, in 2021, the number of states that had these ESA programs doubled from five states to 10 states. We've also seen a massive push in support uh, when it look when it comes to the polls. Uh, the latest Real Clear Opinion Research polling has found an eight percentage point jump in support of school choice since the pandemic started. In April of 2020, the support was 64 percent. In February of 2022, the support was all the way up to 72 percent. And there's supermajority support among Democrats, Republicans and independents. So politicians should push for the policies that parents want and the, the policies that actually empower parents to uh, to to find the education that works best for their kids because all these other uh, 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 top-down measures they might be a step in the right direction but the implementation gets really tricky and the only true form of accountability is allowing families to vote with their feet mm -hmm. and I think we're seeing that shake out accuracy in media just did some undercover journalism for example in Idaho and Tennessee two deep red states and they found administrators uh, just admitting that, well, we're going to teach CRT anyway, even though it's banned, but we're going to call it something else, uh, which shows you that, look, the only way to fix this is school choice while respecting the reality that parents are going to disagree about how they want their kids raised. And that's OK. The problem becomes when one group of parents try to force another group of parents to have their kids raised in a way that is not aligned with their values. That's where the problem arises. Mm, yeah, that, and it's great to hear that there's actual movements going on. I, and this is where we're seeing the real action here is on the local level. I'm surprised we're not seeing more. I mean, this should be the upfront issue for Republicans nationally right now. Uh, we saw, obviously, it worked with, at some level with uh, Glenn Youngkin in, in, uh, in Virginia. But I mean, you know, the school choice part of this doesn't seem to get emphasized as much as it should. And, you know, Republicans have a lot, a lot of things they argue for that are not that do not poll well. Right. I mean, like I, I don't want a federal uh, minimum wage. People hate that opinion. OK, they love school choice. They love it. People on the left like it. People in the middle like it. Certainly conservatives like it. It's an overwhelmingly popular idea. And it does not seem to be one that Republicans, at least, are grabbing the reins on nationally and saying, this is what we stand for. We could talk about all the stuff that you may, you know, there's a lot of culture war stuff out there that gets all the attention. But this is something that we can really make a difference on. Yeah, Republicans need to make uh, school choice a line in the sand issue. Uh, recent polling from Oklahoma and in Texas on their Republican primary ballot, they had propositions for school choice and, and pro-life propositions. In both states, the support for the school choice propositions or, or polls were higher than the support among the primary, uh, the Republican primary voters, even for pro-life. Wow. So that just goes to show you how popular the policy is, but it's not only popular with Republicans, it's it's, it's popular with Democrat constituents on the ground as well. Republicans in states like Florida, where I'm, I happen to be right now, have figured this out. 
Uh, you have them voting together on the issue and advancing parental rights and education in the purest way, which is giving the money to the families and letting them choose the education provider that works best for them. We saw the victory in, with Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia. Uh, the Republicans took the House in Virginia, and they all voted together, 52 to 48, to pass an education savings account program. So this can be done if Republicans band together and uh, if parents apply pressure to elected officials uh, so that they say, so that they do what they say. Uh, you know, school choice, Corey, has been uh, on the Republican platform, you know, part of the, the central argument for a long time, just not really emphasized. Uh, I think people have heard, you know, the term school vouchers. They've heard school choice, uh, as you mentioned, uh, funding students, not systems. What does that mean? What is the menu of options here and how does it work for an, a an average family? Yeah, the way that I would define it is allowing your child's state education dollars to follow them to wherever they get an education. That could be the government-run school. If you like your public school, you can keep your public school. But if not, that same funding would follow the child to a private school to pay for tuition and fees, a micro school, a home-based education op like, option like uh, uh, a pandemic pod that we've seen mm. sprout up over the past couple of years, any approved education expenditure. The best way to do that right now is something called an education savings account program. Some states call them by other names. They'll call them like education freedom accounts, for example, in New Hampshire. I actually really like that name. But it's the, it's all the same basic concept that the funding that would have followed your kid to your residentially assigned government-run school, you can still do that if you want that option. But if not, you can take it somewhere else. The money follows the child. It's pretty basic. It's the same logic that we apply to higher education where we fund students directly with Pell Grants. The Pell Grant funding doesn't have to go straight to a residentially assigned government-run school or provider of higher education. Instead, the funding goes to the student and they can choose public or private, religious or non-religious universities. We do the same thing with, with pre-K programs that are funded by the taxpayer. You can take the money to private religious pre-Ks if you want or non-religious pre-Ks. You can do the same thing. We apply the same logic with essentially everything else in society. With food stamps, you don't have to take it to a government-run uh, grocery store. Medicaid, you don't have to spend it at a government-run residentially assigned hospital. The money follows the decision of the family or the student. And all we're asking with school choice is to apply that same logic to those in-between years of K-12 education. The reason that it's been a tough nut to crack is that, uh, for a long time at least, uh, it's becoming easier now more than ever because the teacher unions overplayed their hand more than ever over the past two years and awakened a sleeping giant. These parents who want more of a say in their kids' education, these parents are actually a, a new special interest group in town. But the thing is, we have choice with everything else in society. We have choice with higher education and pre-K, but choice threatens a long-existing special interest group only when it comes to those in-between years of K-12 education, the teachers' unions and the superintendents' unions. And, of course, they fight as hard as possible against any change to the status quo because they want to get your kids' education dollars regardless of how well they do, regardless of the family's choice in the matter. And from what we've seen over the past two years now in many places, regardless of whether they even open their doors for business. It's time to fund the student, not the bloated bureaucratic government system. Uh, one last one here for you, Corey, because uh, that's, uh, that's exactly what we need. Um, you know, my kids are younger kids. They're in private school, um, and I'm really happy with that decision. But, you know, it's as of right now, it's difficult for a lot of people to do that. Uh, they, can, they might not be able to afford it or whatever else the reason might be. Um, and 
if you pass this, there's a real path to get kids to be able to be able to make those choices if they wish. If they want to put them in private school, great. If they want to go through a pod learning or whatever the, the answer is. But if let's say you're in New York, you're in Illinois, and the prospects for a state law to get passed that is going to support this, I'd like it to be higher, but it's probably not, not all that great in the immediate future. So if that's the case, is there another way? Is there, are there charities that help kids get tuitions to go to these schools? Because I feel like this K through 12 thing has been so underserved. We've been looking, as you mentioned, at universities like crazy, and we complain all the time about what gets taught there. But these fundamental years where everything is being built, the foundations are being built, we've been ignoring. Are there paths for these blue states to participate in this in some way too? Yeah, totally. So New York and California, they have public charter schools, for example, which are a step in the right direction. You're not residentially assigned to charter schools, and they can be privately operated. They're not uh, directly operated by the government. So they don't have as much monopoly power, and they're less likely to be unionized. Mm. So charter schools are a step in the right direction, but it's not the same empowerment on the part of the parent in uh, uh, when it comes to the funding going directly to the student, like with an education savings account program. So that's one way to 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 move in the right direction in bluer states. I think when you when we have more red states pass true educational freedom, you'll have this laboratory of democracy approach will become such a no brainer, even in the blue states that they, they'll push to, to uh, pass educational freedom as well. And then in California, they're doing a push to put it to the ballot because you know, the the uh, the legislators in many cases are uh, they have to listen to their bosses, the teachers unions who who contribute to their campaigns. But Democrats on the ground, the voters overwhelmingly support education savings accounts mm -hmm. and the money following the child. So in California, their thinking is maybe they'll have a better shot at putting on the on the ballot. Uh, the other wrinkle in the story there is that the attorney general uh, put some very biased language on the ballot proposition. So that is a, a whole nother ball game. But that there are other, other types of avenues to try to empower parents more so, even in blue states. Well, Corey, I really appreciate I can't say enough how much I appreciate you doing the work that you're doing. I mean, moving the, this ball uh, down the field a little bit is incredibly important. Uh, Corey DeAngelis is the National Director uh, of, of Research for the American Federation for Children, uh, also at the Cato Institute. Uh, thanks so much, Corey, and, and keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. The left is very, very, very scared that us on the right are going to attack public education. And they've got details. They've got the receipts, boys and girls. Um, and also, they're doing some really good educational programs with their public schools. For example, look what New Jersey schools are teaching their nine-year-olds. Is it normal to watch porn? Hashtag Yes, it's normal. Oh. Lots of people watch porn. Oh, good. After all, it's right there and it's free. Oh, cool. And anyway, many people are curious about this sex stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. and it's a big but, remember, porn is not real. It's just a fantasy, like, uh, like superheroes movies. Bodies don't look like those in porn movies. In general, everything is exaggerated. And sex? It often looks very different in real life. No kidding. So don't expect your own body or sex life once you have one to look anything like what you see in porn. 
or to sound like it either. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, recommended Find to kids as young as nine by New Jersey schools. What a totally normal thing to tell children to watch. <laughs> That's there's nothing wrong with it. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and uh, definitely don't don't question it or you hate public schools. Well, you know what? There's a lot to hate lately. I don't know if you've noticed this. Salon has come out and they have decided they're going to try to stop all this progress that parents have been making around the country and going up to their school boards and complaining about such things. And they're especially targeting a guy you know from this program and, and, and others on The Blaze, uh, Chris Rufo. Chris is a guy who we've had on uh, several times. Uh, he's one of the people who've really led the, um, the uh, attention uh, gathering uh, as far as a CRT goes, along with James Lindsay and some others that we've talked to. And it's been an important part. Chris's, Chris's reporting has been crucial to this. He's been able to uncover a lot of these programs at big companies, in schools around the country. And the left has noticed. And they said, uh, we want to take this guy out. We're done with him. Uh, let's attack him. And so the salon has put out a piece. The guy who brought us CRT panic offers a new far-right agenda, destroy public education. Now, is he doing that? Let's look at what they have. What is the evidence, of course, that they promote uh, and prov provide in the Salon article? Earlier this week, the man who's been widely credited with single-handedly uh, willing the critical race theory panic into existence, which, of course, in quotes, it's not real. The panic's not real. Obviously, we should be judging people by skin color, uh, even if the truth is more uh, complex, laid out a new set of marching orders for the right. Defund public universities. Discard academic freedom. Hmm. Remove credentialing requirements for K through 12 teachers and generally foster so much anger against public schools that it drives a nationwide popular movement to privatize education. Sounds wonderful. Uh, that, that's the type of thing that uh, this is the scare tactic now. Um, first of all, they can't get their stories straight on CRT. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it being taught? Is it not being taught? Is it a good thing? Is it nothing? They can't figure it out. The bottom line is, uh, and CRT, of course, is more complicated than one or two slogans, but so much of this goes back to telling people, particularly children, that they should judge others based on their skin color, that their skin color is their defining characteristic and is the most important thing about them. This, to me, for lack of a better word, is bananas. Don't do it. Never, ever in your entire life make any decisions based on skin color. That is a a pretty low hurdle to clear in the United States, but the left no longer wants to clear it. They've decided that skin color is the thing that you should judge people by. I'm never going to uh, subscribe to that. I don't care what they say. I don't care at all. I'm not going to make decisions based on skin color. That's the wrong thing to do. Maybe I was told an old antiquated MLK dream, but I'm gonna keep going for it because I have no use for this. And you shouldn't either. And I don't think you do. And in fact, I don't think most people do. I don't think most people uh, really believe any of this stuff. But the left keeps propagating it. Or 
If they realize you're not going to like it, then they'll tell you it's, it doesn't exist and it's not being taught in schools. So they can never make up their mind on this one, but we'll try to chase uh, the tail a little bit here. Um, Rufo suggested that much of his work to heighten public outrage around schools handling of everything from U.S. racial history to the pandemic to gender and sexuality could serve a larger goal, creating the conditions for fundamental structural change. For example, he said, to get universal school choice, you really need to operate from a premise of universal public school distrust. Now, is this some secret plot or is this obvious reality? The truth is, and this wouldn't stop me, it wouldn't change my mind, but if the public schools were actually working for parents and children, there would be very little passion to privatize them. There would be very little passion for homeschooling. There would be very little passion for pod schools. The problem here, of course, is with teachers unions and what those teachers are actually teaching the kids when they show up to school, which more and more often is rare, is that they're not working for parents and they're not working for children. So parents are looking for another option. This is not Chris Rufo trying to explain to parents that judging people based on the pigment of their skin is a bad idea. They already knew that. They didn't realize it was going on as often as it is in public schools, but they already knew that was a bad idea. And as soon as they found out that you were teaching that to our kids, they were going to bail on you. And we've seen massive amounts of people who have moved from a, a public education to private education, uh, to, from public education to homeschooling. And really the biggest driver of this, of course, was COVID. What did these teachers unions think was going to happen when they decided they didn't want to show up for multiple years? At some point, parents think, I don't know, maybe my kids should learn how to form a sentence or something and maybe should go to school. Maybe they should go to at least be taught by somebody somewhere. You guys don't seem to want to show up. Imagine if you were in Chicago when cases are at these super low levels and the, the, the teachers are still saying they don't want to come back. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. The story goes on from Salon. Rufo didn't stop with K through 12 education, going on to describe public universities as a monopoly that has been uh, too long handled by, uh, too long handed a blank check by legislators, even in conservative states. Conservative legislators who don't like what's happening at those schools, Rufo said, should use their budgetary power to enact the changes they want to see. That's just a job description for the representatives. That's not a secret radical plan by Chris Rufo. That's just what they're supposed to do with their day. I know we, they get into a lot of other stuff. They are, they've got these important uh, meetings. They're smoking cigars. They're drinking, uh, they're drinking some nice beverages. I understand a lot of that stuff goes on. But their job is to make sure that if uh, things aren't going well, they're supposed to change them. And if one of the powers of, uh, that they have is the power of the purse, they're supposed to cut off funding to things that aren't, you know, good. Look, the truth is that we do need to rethink everything about the way we teach our kids. And it's not just about CRT, but in some ways, that's one of the things that has awakened parents around the country, along with COVID restrictions and really super impressive first year female swimmers. The accusations against Chris Rufo here are serious that he secretly is trying to eliminate public schools. The story provides very little evidence that this is actually his hidden goal. He seems to be mostly talking about school choice, which gives you a choice between public and private schooling. But hey, while we're talking about eliminating public schools, let's eliminate public schools. I don't know if Chris wants them eliminated. I don't know, I can't speak for him. But if he doesn't, I'm right here cheering on their elimination.
We know that private schools and homeschooling consistently leads to better outcomes. Uh, 78% of peer-reviewed studies on academic achievement show that homeschool students perform statistically and significantly better than those in institutional schools. We know this. We've known it forever, and I think everybody knows it, really. Why would we stick with something that we all know isn't working? And that means rethinking everything. Public versus private is just one thing to consider. Where else do you choose public when you have those two choices? Private park or public park? Private pool or public pool? Private bathroom or public bathroom? How could we afford all of this? It's too much money. Well, I don't know. Maybe give people back their tax dollars and let them decide what they could do with them. That would solve the issue of cost for a lot of people. What's interesting is, while the left would love to argue with you and tell you that we need to redistribute the money from those evil rich people to poor people to cover all the costs of education, they don't seem to enact that plan when they have control in their cities. There's this one county that contains the city of Chicago. It's called Cook County. The residents here voted overwhelmingly for Democratic candidates in the presidential and senatorial elections last year. Often what would happen is that this would just be one big school district and that all the taxes from all the towns in this county would be put into one bucket and distributed equally throughout the county. But the residents of this very blue Democratic county have actually decided to divide themselves into more than 140 school districts. Oh. So now you have all these tiny school districts like this one, which are like gerrymandered around the richest part of town. And so all of the taxes from these rich homeowners go into one little bucket and then only get distributed distributed to the schools within this rich region of the county. It can be on the same block that the town line runs through the middle of it. And if you live on one side of that line, you're consigned to an inferior education by virtue of the fact that you and your neighbors don't have as much money. And if you live on the other side, you're basically a member of a club that is sponsoring a private school, essentially, for the benefit of that small group of kids who are lucky enough to live in that affluent community. And the result is that Poor communities have less money to educate their children, and rich communities have more money to educate their children. This is crazy. This is crazy. Remember, that's not from The Blaze, that's from the New York Times. We can also rethink everything about school, and we should. John Taylor Gatto is a former school teacher, and he put it this way. Although teachers do care and do work very, very hard, the institution is psychopathic. It has no conscience. It rings a bell and the young man in the middle of writing a poem must close his notebook and move to a different cell where he must memorize that humans and monkeys derive from a common ancestor. We interrupt kids with bells and horns all the time and they will learn that nothing is important or worth finishing. Hmm. Is it really the right approach to send your kid away for half of their waking hours for most of their entire childhood? Why do our kids need to be gone all day? Have we ever questioned the convenience of this schedule? Have we ever wondered why they make it so easy for us to ship our kids off to an institution where they're a captive audience all day, uh, listening to someone who isn't, you know, you? Shouldn't we be more critical and questioning of the place we're sending our kids eight hours a day? Why are they so defensive when we do question it? Is it really the right approach to advance every kid the same pace year by year, like our grade levels, even the right approach at all. Why do advanced kids not just move along a little bit faster and other kids have more time? What about, you know, I think about this. What other part of life do you interact with only people that are your exact same age like you do in school? 
Why are kids always being taught in the same format? Teacher in front of room, kids sitting silently if, if we're lucky. Maybe older kids can learn something and reinforce what they have learned in the past by helping to teach younger students. In my kids' school, they have a program where older kids spend time buddying up with the younger kids to help them learn. The younger kids, you know, basically think they're celebrities, uh, but it also helps the older kids. We spent so much time talking about crazy university professors and not nearly enough time talking about K through 12. Once they're in college, it's too late. They're probably already insane. But we can at least give them a foundation to work from and when they're you know, nice and young and then let them decide to screw their lives up on their own later on. We can rethink all of this like and this is crazy. <laughs> I, I know I'm going down some weird roads here, but follow me a little bit. What if we don't punish them with a decade plus of terrible public schools? What if we don't consistently tell them that America is the great and only evil of the world? What if we don't tell our kids that their skin color is the most important thing about them? What if we don't let a six foot three, 225 pound man destroy all the female athletes? What if we don't constantly flood their lives with pornography at nine years old? Call me crazy, call me wacky, but I think that approach just might work.